Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and here in the garage, we don't tolerate nonsense of any kind. In fact, we've had five consecutive days since our last nonsense, and here to crush that is the captain. Every day we have nonsense. He just doesn't pay attention. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very excited to be featuring Mama's Little Yella Pills by Oscar Blues Brewing Company. This is a delicious bohemian pilsner. Unlike most mass market pilsners that are diluted with corn and rice, Mama's is built on pilsner and honey malt, then double hopped. This pills is very rich in flavor with an ABV of 4.7% that makes it luxurious, but a low-dose refresher, garage-grade three-and-three-quarter bottle caps out of five. And here's a big cheers to some of our cool and refreshing friends. First up, a cheers to Nicole and her son, Captain, in Arkansas. Oh, poor kid. A big shout-out to Jen B. and Malibu. And here's a We Like Your Jib to Christine from New Fairfield, Connecticut. And a big cheers to Ginny in Post Falls, Idaho. Next, Captain, we have a big cheers from our friend Amy, our neighbor from down the street. And last but not least, we have Dustin and beautiful Butte, Montana. Everyone we just mentioned, well, they helped us out with this week's beer run. And for that, we thank you. That's right. Say it with me. B-W-E-W-R-U-N. Beer run. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Make sure you tell a friend. And that is enough of the business. All right, kitties, everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
Imagine it's a normal Wednesday, a work day, a school day, a day in the life, but you don't feel normal. You have a headache, a cold, or a fever. You do the most normal thing in the world. You take your preferred pain reliever pills with a sip of water, knowing that soon you'll feel like yourself again. Only you don't. Within minutes of taking the pills, you experience respiratory failure, seizure, cardiac arrest, and death. This is what happened in the greater Chicago area in Illinois. Several people took over-the-counter pain medication for everyday ailments purchased at their neighborhood pharmacy, only to die inexplicably within hours. What in the world happened here? How could a medication, the very essence of something intended to make people better, kill them so suddenly and efficiently? It is the very rare but very real crime of product tampering. Someone, someones, or maybe even a group of people were poisoning the general public, killing indiscriminately. Shopping at the grocery store was like playing Russian roulette. But what was the motive? The how was clear, but the why and what for is anyone's guess. Was the motive simply just to kill? Was this a form of public terrorism or mass extortion or both? And what kind of monster uses a painkiller as a vehicle for murder? This is True Crime Garage, and this is the case of the Tylenol murders. September 29th, 1982, Mary Kellerman was 12 years old. The middle schooler lived in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. She wasn't feeling well that day and had stayed home from school. She told her dad that she had a headache and a sore throat. And he went to the medicine cabinet and brought her an extra strength Tylenol capsule he took from a bottle his wife purchased the day before at a Jewel Osco store in Elk Grove Village. Mary dutifully swallowed the pill, went into the bathroom, and then she collapsed. By the time paramedics arrived, they found Mary in full cardiac arrest. She was rushed to the hospital, where she was pronounced dead around 10 a.m. Doctors could only guess that she had suffered an aneurysm. She was her parents' only child. That same morning, postal worker Adam Janis of nearby Arlington Heights, Illinois, age 27, went to his local Jewel Osco store on Vail Avenue in Arlington Heights and purchased steak, flowers, and a bottle of extra-strength Tylenol capsules. He had lunch with his new wife, Teresa, and then not feeling well, took two capsules from the bottle he had just purchased and swallowed them down. He went to bed, but immediately started convulsing and passed out. Teresa called 911. When the paramedics arrived around 2 o'clock, they rushed Adam to the ER, where he was pronounced dead at 3.15. Dr. Thomas Kim at Northwest Community Hospital told Adam's family, quote, nothing seemed to help. He suffered sudden death without warning. It was most unusual, end quote. Devastated, 
Adam's family, including his 25-year-old brother Stanley, and Stanley's wife, also named Teresa, age 19, gathered in the Janice home to be with loved ones and make funeral arrangements for their loved one. In their distress, they both developed headaches and were handed a bottle of Tylenol, the same one that Adam's pills came from. Both Stanley and Teresa soon dropped to the floor and started convulsing. Adam's wife, Teresa, called 911 for the second time that day. Dr. Kim was still on duty at the hospital when the second batch of Janice family members were brought in with inexplicable symptoms. They were both in full cardiac arrest and soon died. Confounded at the mysterious deaths of several family members in one house, Dr. Kim decided that poison control centers should be contacted. Dr. John Sullivan of Rocky Mountain Poison Center told Dr. Kim that what he was describing sounded like cyanide poisoning. Meanwhile, nurse Helen Jensen spoke to the remaining members of the Janus clan and determined that the three dead people had all ingested extra strength Tylenol prior to dying. She went to the Janus home where nurse Jensen found the Tylenol bottle on the kitchen counter and the receipt for its recent purchase in the trash. Jensen counted the pills remaining in the bottle and noted that six pills were missing. Six pills missing, three people inexplicably dead. Janice brought the bottle to the administrators at Northwest Community Hospital and voiced her concerns, but didn't feel that she was listened to. After all, Tylenol was the number one selling pain reliever worldwide. It made people feel better. It didn't kill them. Nurse Jensen wasn't the only one who saw a pattern. Firefighters in Elk Grove and Arlington Heights, Chuck Kramer, Richard Keyworth, and Phil Capitelli noticed the 911 calls and quickly surmised that something was up with these unexplained deaths in the neighboring towns, guessing that they might be somehow related. They reported to police that it seemed that all the victims had taken Tylenol right before suffering fatal symptoms. But while some people were just starting to observe similarities in the four strange deaths in the area on September 29th, more people continued to take Tylenol for various ailments. Well, Tylenol had 35% of the market share of pain relievers in 1982. It was the number one selling brand worldwide. On the afternoon of September 29th, think about how fast all of this stuff is happening. All of this these terrible distress calls coming in, people collapsing, being rushed off to the hospital. This is all the same day. Well, back to one thing that you said before, the, the doctor that was communicating you know, to go, hey, find this bottle, how many pills are left. One of the things that they were able to do is to smell the bottle, and that smelled like almonds because cyanide has a, almost an almond smell. A, a bitter almond smell. Mary Reiner, 27, of Winfield, known as Lynn, was home from a hospital after having just given birth to a baby boy four days earlier. Now, she went out to Frank's Finer Foods in her town, about 25 miles from Arlington Heights, to buy some regular strength Tylenol. But she didn't take these, from what we can tell. Instead, she took two extra strength Tylenol capsules that is believed to have come from the hospital that gave these to her to take home and use as needed. I do want to throw something out here, Captain, before we 
move on. But in this particular incident, there are two sources that I was looking for information on the death of Mary Reiner. One comes from a book called Ty Murs, which is by Scott Bartz. In his version of this portion of the story, it's unknown where this extra strength Tylenol came from, that she, in fact, purchased regular Tylenol that day. Right. When you look at John Douglas's books, where he briefly discusses the case in two of his books, one being Mine Hunter and the other, The Anatomy of Motive, he says that it was found that she took two extra strength Tylenol pills that were from a bottle that she had purchased at some point. We don't know when. Right. But this bottle was found in her purse. These are two very completely different stories. I do not know which one is in fact correct. So I wanted to make sure we pointed that out here. Well, didn't they surmise that all these victims would have had to buy the the product within the last day because cyanide would have been able to eat through the capsules? It would. It would corrode the gelatin capsule that encapsulates the powder. And yes, it would corrode that. So these, whoever was constructing this and putting together the poisoned capsules had to do it relatively soon before they were purchased and then ingested Mm -hmm. because it would destroy them to the point where nobody in their right mind would look at what was now in the bottle and, and consume it. So we're not exactly for sure where she got the extra strength Tylenol, but we're sure that she took the extra strength Tylenol. That's what both of these sources do, in fact, state. She took these, in fact, Captain, right in front of her husband, her mother-in-law, and three of her children. Now, Lynn went into convulsions and collapsed almost immediately. Within two hours, she died at the same hospital where she had birthed her son just days before. Mary McFarlane, 31, of Elmhurst, worked at the Illinois Bell Phone Center in the Yorktown Mall in Lumberg, 10 miles east of Winfield. She told her co-workers that she had a headache and she took two extra strength Tylenol capsules from a supply she kept in a container in her purse. The pills came from a 50-count bottle that she purchased the previous day at the Woolworths. She had already consumed five of the pills from that same bottle but she died within minutes of taking these last two. So pointing out here, Captain, that in this particular case, where this woman passed away from being poisoned, obviously not all of the pills inside that 50-count bottle were contaminated. Doctors assumed that she had had a stroke or some type of aneurysm. Late on September 29th, flight attendant Paula Prince, age 35, She was just back in Chicago after an East Coast shift. She stopped at a Walgreens on North Wells Street in Chicago's north side Mm -hmm. of extra-strength Tylenol. Two days later, she was found by her sister dead on her bathroom floor with an open bottle of Tylenol sitting on the sink and one capsule missing from this bottle. So now we have seven total victims. That's correct. And it was determined in this investigation, Captain, that even though Paula Prince wasn't found until several days later, 
Right. They were able to determine that she had been dead since that Wednesday night, since that September 29th. Again, all of this happening in just a matter of a short period of time. In just three days, seven people died. Yeah, and what was difficult here is if you look at how much it would take, how much cyanide it would take to kill somebody, these people were receiving 100% to 1,000% of a lethal dose. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that we need to keep in mind as we're going through this case. So what we can already determine is that we got multiple bottles that have been contaminated, that have been laced with poison. Right. And not every capsule in every bottle seems to have been contaminated with this poison. It's almost like this murderer is pulling out a couple pills, filling it back up with a couple poisonous pills, and then moving on to the next bottle. Well, and even a, even the capsules themselves do not seem in all of these incidents to contain the same amount, the same level of poison. Right. Now, all seven of these victims were all exhibiting the same symptoms at the time of their passing. These are seizures, convulsions, and quick deaths. Seven people who lived within just a few miles of each other in five different towns around the Chicago area. Seven people who had one thing and one thing only in common. They had all taken Tylenol from bottles that were purchased very recently. The coroner's office in Cook and DuPage counties, where all the deaths occurred, did not think to test for cyanide poisoning or, in fact, any poisoning of any kind. No foul play was suspected. This was at first. Tylenol was at the time the most popular pain reliever on the market with $450 million in annual sales and 37% of the over-the-counter pain reliever market. The concept that it could harm people was really, truly unthinkable at this time. Based on his conversations with the Poison Control Center, we're going back to Dr. Kim. He was the one that was on duty when all three of the members from the Janice family came into the hospital suffering the same symptoms, right. all passing. Dr. Kim sent blood samples from the Janice family to the lab and had them tested for cyanide. The test showed a lethal level of cyanide in these samples, so much that the lab tech wasn't certain that the test was even accurate. Dr. Kim collected the extra-strength Tylenol bottles taken from the Janice family home by Nurse Jensen and the one taken from Mary Kellerman's home brought to him by an Arlington Heights police officer who heard about the Janice family deaths. Right. He called the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office at 3 a.m. and asked them to test the capsules in these bottles for cyanide. The chief toxicologist for the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office, his name is Michael Schaefer, examined the capsules from the seized bottles of extra-strength Tylenol. As soon as he opened the containers, he knew what he would find. The smell, as you pointed out, Captain, of bitter almonds was evident and obvious to this man. Potassium cyanide has an odor like bitter almonds, but it is only detectable by a portion of the population. Reports vary, but it's between 30 and 40% of the population can detect this smell. Dr. Schaefer noted that about 10 of the capsules were slightly swollen and discolored, 
and contained potassium cyanide at a level toxic enough to provide thousands of fatal doses. Only trace amounts of Tylenol were found in these capsules. And Dr. Schaefer also determined something else, and this is important. Mm-hmm. The cyanide used would have been strong enough to degrade the gelatin-based capsule shells very quickly, but these pills were only in the beginning stages of this degradation. They still looked almost normal. What this means, as you pointed out earlier, Captain, that someone had filled these capsules very recently, likely within just a handful of days. Someone had opened new bottles of extra-strength Tylenol, Mm -hmm. opened individual capsules inside, emptied them, filled them with cyanide, which would resemble like a white powder, closed the capsules back up, and replaced them into the bottles. It then appears that the bottles were placed back on store shelves for consumers to purchase. At this time, there's no seal on these. When you went to buy a pain reliever, you got a bottle. When you open it up, I think they had the cotton swab Mm. at, at the beginning, but they didn't have a seal. There was no seal of, of any kind. And now we got a whole community that's all of a sudden wondering, wait a second, how many deaths recently, just in the past few days, could be attributed to tainted Tylenol? As you pointed out, Captain, 37% of the over-the-counter pain reliever market. This Chicago is a large area, a lot of people. Yeah, one of the biggest cities in the United States. Well, cyanide poisoning is poisoning that results from exposure to any of a number of forms of cyanide. Early symptoms include headaches, dizziness, fast heart rate, shortness of breath, and vomiting. This phase may be followed by seizures, slow heart rate, low blood pressure, loss of consciousness, and cardiac arrest. Um, Onset of the symptoms usually occur within a few minutes. Some survivors have long-term neurological problems. The Cook County Medical Examiner's Office held a press conference on September 30th, 1982, stating publicly that the Mary Kellerman and all three of the Janices had definitely died from consuming extra-strength Tylenol laced with cyanide. When the press conference occurred, no one had attributed the deaths of Lynn Reiner, or Mary McFarland to Tylenol, and Paula Prince's body had not yet been found. Right. This is going to cause all kinds of shock, fear, and panic about the poison medication throughout the entire country. The Tylenol poisonings became the most extensively covered news event since the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Well, just like you said, I I mean... The report I have is 35% of the market share, but you said 37%. So we're talking about the most popular pain reliever on the market. I mean, it, it's they're backed by Johnson & Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. People barraged poison hotlines with calls and flooded hospital ERs. The Food Drug Administration issued warnings to consumers not to ingest extra-strength Tylenol until the source of the poison could be identified. Close to the epicenter of the poison outbreak, police in Illinois roamed the streets with bullhorns, warning residents not to consume the drug. After a press conference by the mayor, Chicagoans turned all of their home supplies of Tylenol into the police, 
along with any records that they may have of when and where it was purchased. By Thursday, September 30th, both Jewel Osco and Chicago-based Walgreens ordered the removal of all Tylenol from their shelves nationwide. Retailers across the country pulled extra-strength Tylenol from lot number MC2880. The lot number the Janus and Kellerman bottles were part of, which was the only lot number in which cyanide had been identified. The two tainted bottles had both gone through a warehouse in the Chicago suburb of Franklin Park and had been manufactured in Fort Washington. The manufacturing facility was tested and was found not to be contaminated with cyanide. Then they end up finding out that all the bottles were bought at different locations. Yes, they were all purchased at different drugstores. And and you're saying that two of the bottles came from the same distribution factory. That is correct. Distribution warehouse. That's correct. But keep in mind, at this time in the ball game, these are the only two bottles that they have decided were contaminated with cyanide. Right. So while investigators and Johnson and Johnson, the parent corporation of the company that manufactured Tylenol, were still determining the potential scope of the tainted medicine. The autopsy was being performed on Lynn Reiner in DuPage County. The medical examiner there was informed of the Tylenol poisonings in other towns and also that Lynn had taken some Tylenol capsules just before dying. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. 
It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. Cheers, Captain. I need to cheers. Uh, have I cheers Jib Jiggler from yeah. Parts Unknown? A big shout out to Jib Jiggler from Parts Unknown. There you go. Get out of our town. So now, very quickly, we have a new suspected case of cyanide poisoning, this with the autopsy of Lynn Reiner. So naturally, law enforcement went to the Reiner home. They found a bottle of regular strength Tylenol that Lynn had purchased that day. 
This was lot number 1833MB. It's still sitting on the kitchen sink. But they also found some extra strength Tylenol capsules, which they believe were given to Lynn by the hospital when it discharged her in her bottle of regular strength Tylenol. Upon testing the capsules, the assistant chief toxicologist for the Illinois Department of Public Health determined that they were filled with potassium cyanide, an inexpensive, low-purity grade that is typically used in manufacturing and heavy industry. Lynn had taken two extra-strength Tylenol capsules, one of which had contained cyanide. The other apparently did not. Of the other six extra-strength Tylenol capsules found in her bottle, four were poisoned. None of the regular-strength pills in the bottle that she had purchased were tainted at all. Although authorities suspect that it is possible that Lynn's poisoned pills came from the hospital, Johnson & Johnson removed all the pills from area hospitals and destroyed them without testing any of them. So we will never really know. It's easy to say to have them test them all now because of how big this crime became. Correct. And you also have to wonder how much work and effort are they putting into motion to just get the capsules off the shelves and, and collect all of them so nobody else gets harmed or killed? Yeah. And it's, just, it's, this is not, these are not easy tasks, and these are things that you need to do immediately with the quickness. So we still have law enforcement looking into these other unexplained deaths. So investigators looking into the unexplained death of Mary McFarland, the, the Bell Telephone store worker, began to question whether her death could also have been caused by Tylenol. They found 10 extra-strength Tylenol capsules in the container in her purse, five of which were determined to contain cyanide. These apparently came from the bottle that they found in her apartment. This was lot number 1910MD. This bottle contained 33 capsules, one of which was filled with cyanide. This was a new lot number. And then a fourth. The pills consumed by Paula Prince, the bottle bore the lot number 1801MA, which had not been listed by the company among the known contaminated lots. Interestingly, the extra strength Tylenol bottle in Paula's bathroom was a 24 count bottle, unlike the 50 count bottles used in the other deaths. Right. Cyanide was found in one of the remaining capsules, but six other capsules were discolored. They had been corroded by the cyanide leaking from that one tainted pill. From Johnson & Johnson, the parrot company, what ensued is considered the birth of crisis management, the corporate method of handling a PR disaster. Right. Johnson & Johnson announced at first a localized recall of just pills from the tainted lots. But by October 5th, they expanded that recall to a complete nationwide recall of their painkiller capsules. Uh, 31 million bottles. That's exactly correct. 31 million bottles were pulled from retail locations. This is estimated to have cost Johnson & Johnson about $100 million. They offered a award of 100000 for any information. $100,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of the person or persons responsible for the cyanide poisoning. The, the recall. 
I believe is what cost over a hundred million dollars. You'd think maybe we'd offer a little bit more money than a hundred. <laughs> if it was my company and we just lost a hundred million, I'd go, Hey, I'm offering a million. Mm-hmm. I'll pay, I'll pay the 1% of what I just lost to figure out what, what asshole did this, what murder is out there. They flew in hundreds of chemists to assist in this testing process. They worked hand in hand with the FBI and other investigators and Johnson and Johnson examined the three distribution centers through which the tainted Tylenol bottles were processed. All of these were looked at and they publicly said that they found nothing, nor was anything found at the one distribution center in Pennsylvania that all the bottles had passed through. The pills had been manufactured at different plants. So this is troubling. Because this means that they were not tainted during the manufacturing process, nor knowing what we now know about cyanide and how it would react in that capsule and corrode everything. I think there was there's little reason to believe that anyway. Yeah, you're moving a little fast. Let's let's slow down for a second. So we have seven victims, seven victims that we believe were all poisoned. Three of them took pills from the same bottle correct so we have a total of four different bottles and that you're saying that all the bottles came from different stores but how many came from different distribution centers okay so we have yes we have seven victims who would have consumed capsules from see therein lies a big question in this whole case With one of the victims, we're not really 100% certain where she obtained the poison capsules. Right. So we could be talking about a situation of seven victims with five different tainted bottles of Tylenol or four. And then somehow she received these poison pills from either the hospital or elsewhere. We, We can't say for certain. But what we can say is given the lot numbers on the bottles that we know tested positive for cyanide. That they, it seems like they had come through similar from the same distribution center. What is also determined is that they were manufactured at different plants. And from my understanding, there was a plant in Texas and a plant in Pennsylvania, probably other plants as well, but determined that pills came from those two plants, manufactured at those two plants, which again points that it's not tainting the pills during the manufacturing process. Right. That whoever did this did this at a later time after they had been manufactured, packaged up, and shipped off to be sold. Yeah, it almost seems like this individual is walking into the store, maybe had a couple pills in his hand, the, the cyanide pills, opens up the Tylenol because we have no safety precautions at this, this point, and just replaces a couple pills, moves on to the next bottle, or maybe does several bottles at that location or just maybe one and then moves on to another drugstore doing the same process over and over. That's exactly right. The The other thing that was quickly determined too, Captain, by Johnson & Johnson and, and investigators was that all of the pills from these bottles or the bottles themselves had been manufactured the previous spring. So if they were contaminated during the manufacturing process, they would have been extensively corroded by September, late September, when people were consuming these things. Right. Now, 
that is one, it's going to be horrific for the general public because now it seems like we got some rogue person out there who is in a very evil, indiscriminate way, killing unknown people to the vic- to the suspect or a group of people that are doing this to terrorize the community. But it is a good thing for Johnson and Johnson because it's not a mix up in the manufacturing process. It's not, they are in fact responsible, but not to the level of that. It's going on when the pills are made. Right. And so if we do have a disgruntled employee that they're still having to go around store by store, they're not tampering with the medication during the, the initial processes. Correct. Someone's doing this after these these pills have already made it through the distribution centers. So either somebody's taking them off of a truck somewhere or off of multiple trucks that would deliver these kind of goods, or they're, I mean, they could even be actually purchasing them from stores, taking them home and then putting together their poisoned bottle and then returning them to the store. Right. You just show up at the store and you put it back on the shelf. Yeah, pull it out of your pocket. Put it at the front of the shelf where someone's going to grab it and, and purchase it and take it home. It's also a safer way because if I go into a drugstore and I purchase this product, oh, I need some extra strength Tylenol. I got a headache. My coworker's driving me nuts. And they give me this bottle of pills while they also give me a receipt. So then when I come back in with the tampered pills and I maybe I go to put it back on the shelves but I get caught right mm-hmm. and if they say something I go oh no no this is my bottle here's my receipt and so it would it would protect me when I went back to putting the the tampered with or the poison back on the shelf yeah yeah you wouldn't want to be leaving a paper trail of returning that that bottle you would want to go around and purchase these from different stores at different times, maybe even well in advance of you doing this. Or, again, take them off of a truck or multiple trucks, depending on where you work or your accessibility to said trucks. Well, it's 19. And you, you want to just go back in there and place them on the shelf. Yeah, which nowadays would go, hey, pull up the, the horrible camera footage. Pull up that horrible camera footage that we're not going to be able to make out who's in that picture. But it's 1982. Most stores do not have surveillance. So I believe every place that they believe that these were purchased at, there was no surveillance cameras. So they couldn't do anything about that. But what they did do was all these stores went back. And I, I'm, I'm assuming this this came from law enforcement. Hey, go back to the last week or so of any shoplifters that you had Mm -hmm. and to re-question them. The reaction from law enforcement to these Tylenol deaths, which came quickly to be known as the Tylenol murders or Tymers, as the FBI called the case, was, well, it was swift and immediate. Investigators from various agencies went to work forming a task force of 140 law enforcement personnel. Officers from the five different towns were involved, and because the case also fell under federal jurisdiction because of the United States commerce laws, 
The FBI jumped in as well, sending 32 agents to the area. Within hours of the murders coming to light, a young within hours of the murders coming to light, a young John Douglas who would go on to be known as a legendary criminal profiler and FBI agent and more importantly friend of our show was on a plane to Illinois. We'll discuss his conclusions in a bit. The task force looked into every angle imaginable in this situation. Task force members examined a possible manipulation of Johnson and Johnson stock prices by some kind of crime syndicate. Right. Cause you're looking for a competing company. Yeah. Who, who has something to gain out of this, out of this mass hysteria that has been caused. Yeah. They examined foreign terrorist groups. They examined angry employees or ex employees at each location where the tainted Tylenol was manufactured stored or sold these people were interviewed and evaluated shoplifters as you pointed out previously arrested for shoplifting from these drug stores they were looked at a second time and spoke to in regards to this crime recently released inmates and mental patients in the vicinity were profiled and interrogated as well police ran checks on every car receiving a traffic ticket in the areas around the stores during September 29th, during that whole time frame. Agents manned the task force hotline, logging each tip, no matter how crazy it seemed when it came in. They also questioned every family member and close friend of each victim. I'd like to hear a top 10 list of the, the craziest calls that came in on this, on this case. Yeah, so you're interviewing all of the family members and close friends one because you're trying to fill out the whole timeline on you know when and where it was purchased and in that jazz which seems to be fairly known by this point in our investigation right but you're also doing that because you want to make sure that one of these victims wasn't actually a targeted victim an intended victim whoever perpetrated that murder was camouflaging that murder with the crime and the other deaths Right. Investigators on the case were conflicted between those who suspected that the tampering had occurred in the distribution process and those who believed that it happened at the retail level. Authorities obtained list of all employees of retailers and the distribution chain as well. You know, anybody that would have had access to these Tylenol bottles or the cases that they came in. Of course, this list was massive. This was a, a bunch of people to pour through. Illinois Attorney General Tyron Farner Excuse you. initially said that they were investigating disgruntled employees and had already had 20 to 30 potential suspects in this case. But the focus changed to retail-level tampering because it just seemed too implausible that the pills could have been messed with at a distribution center and then put back into the supply chain. Right. In large part, Captain, as you pointed out, that they're put on the front of shelves in different but proximate towns all kind of at the same time. So the timing was suspected to be very recent and almost simultaneous because of the belief that the cyanide would corrode the capsules very quickly, causing them to distort and change color. People would notice. People would not ingest them. Experts advised that the cyanide would eat through the pills within hours or days. 
this is a little tricky here, Captain, because I read the results of several tests, mm-hmm. and this was run by the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office. No corrosion was found within 48 hours of the induction of the cyanide. The possibility expanded the time frame, meant that no one was really sure when or how the tainted pills had been placed on the shelves, although they had all been purchased within hours of causing death. So basically what you're saying is, is we know that all these victims purchased or received their bottle of extra strength Tylenol within 24 hours of their death. Mm-hmm. So even though the cops were saying, hey, if you, you add cyanide to these capsules, they would disintegrate within a day. Once they actually did some tests on these, Cooks County, they come back and say, well, actually, once we, uh, you know, applied the same method to put the poison into these capsules, we actually see no corrosion after 48 hours, no corrosion within 48 hours. So yes, it's, it's a little bit messy because you have the experts, the quote unquote experts saying one thing that the cyanide would eat through the pills within a matter of just hours or a couple of days. The Cook County, their experiment showed differently that that it would be possibly well after 48 hours before corrosion, corrosion starts to take place. So this doesn't really help to narrow down the window of time of when whomever put the poison in these bottles and then put them back on the shelves. Yeah, basically the, the, the purchase and the ingestion, we have that all figured out. Mm-hmm. We don't have when they were actually t- tampered with because now we're looking at a, a, a lot larger window than an eight hour window. Yeah. And the thing that's so tricky here too, is how little would one be paying attention to other shoppers in these stores? You know, you see somebody putting something on a shelf. You might think that, Oh, they, they just looked at the back of it. They read the ingredients or read the possible side effects or whatever, and decided to put it back on the shelf. Or right. maybe it was a dollar or two more than they were willing to pay. And they, they might buy a different product. Yeah, or they didn't want explosive diarrhea. But what was interesting here, Captain, is that all in all, it was determined that 160 tainted capsules were found in eight bottles of extra strength Tylenol purchased at seven different locations. This is after people start turning in their Tylenol, after they pull them off the shelves, right. they're testing ones that, that were either purchased and not you know, consumed or bottles that were still on these shelves. Two bottles were found on the shelves at Osco Drug in Woodfield Mall in Schaumburg, Illinois. Two more bottles containing tainted pills were turned in by Chicago residents. These four bottles were in addition to the Janus, Kellerman, Prince, and McFarland bottles. So eight bottles total. We still aren't certain as to where Lynn Reiner's pills came from 100%. And of course, we have no idea how many bottles were just thrown away without being tested. A survey later found that 60% of Chicagoans had destroyed or discarded their capsules during the first week after the poisonings. And Johnson & Johnson was permitted to collect and destroy collected bottles of Tylenol without inspecting them for tampering. All in all, a very, very small percentage of extra strength Tylenol bottles nationwide were tested. The fact is that 
likely no one will ever know how many pills were actually poisoned. Well, and here's the other weird thing, too. Again, it's 1982, so let's remember, this is going to cause the industry to change the way they do things. This is the reason why we're going to have seals put on items and protective measures. Mm -hmm. But we don't have security footage, but we have these bottles. And what do they not find on these bottles? They don't find fingerprints or any other form of physical evidence. Yeah, so let's dive into this uh, here, Captain. The How the poisoning was actually done. So if it was done at the retail level, as most investigators seem to believe, and of course Johnson & Johnson is going to back this belief, it meant, as we said, the killer had purchased bottles of extra strength Tylenol stole them, whatever, probably just purchased them. Because again, you're not wanting to create a paper trail. You're not going to want to get caught stealing Tylenol leading up to this event. If it were me trying to do this, administer this mass hysteria, I would probably be purchasing these bottles well in advance, weeks in advance, in case there is security footage. We know that a lot of places will recycle their recordings. And maybe after a week or two weeks, they are recording over old footage. If they, in fact, even have any type of surveillance at their their building. But somebody would have obtained the bottles and then had to doctor them somewhere elsewhere. Right. And then put the capsules back into the bottles and then drive around or what have you Walk and around. place these on these shelf fronts at the different retail locations. But again, this, this makes seven different locations. This makes it also more difficult because if you look at a town like Boston or you look at a town like New York and even Chicago, ones that have public transportation where you can get through the major city and jump from point to point pretty quickly, right? If you're on foot. So for an individual to have these, let's say, eight bottles that they tampered with and then to go throughout the city and drop them off at new locations, because that's one thing that they never could tell you. They could never tell you if, if these bottles were in the inventory of that said store. So we don't know if the individual bought eight, ten bottles and then took them you know, from one location and took them home and then tampered with them, and then distributed them out. Right, that's correct. What we do know is that these retail locations, seven of them, this person or a group of people would have sprinkled these bottles around the Chicago area and the western suburbs of Chicago. And whoever did this likely had to have done this very soon prior to September 29th. Right. As pointed out, if... You know, you just put them back on the shelf. You put them at the front of the line. You, whoever did this would have some knowledge of cyanide and would know that it probably would corrode these other pills. And therefore, if they want the cyanide to have the effect that it's intended for, in this case, you're going to put those bottles right at the front of the line for people to grab them, purchase them, and hopefully ingest them very soon after purchasing, which we know unfortunately happened in all these cases. Well, again, it's also it's a weird thing because I have, when I've been at the store, oh, 
I need some migraine medicine or something, right? Oh, I'll pick some up. I think I'm running low. But it's normally an item that you pick up after you've already run out. Correct. Or you're picking it up because you need it. Right now. Right yeah. then. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a very, the level of sophistication of uh, attack. Again, we we know pretty much how they did it or we can assume, look, I'm with you. It makes more sense that they would buy the bottles, take the bottles home, manipulate the situation there, um, and then take them back. Mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense to me that they would be able to to do this with, with inside of a store. No, no. You immediately, someone would be, would notice that you were up to something. Well, obviously not like inside the store, but you could get the bottle and go to the bathroom or something. And I don't think it would take that long of time because the, the measuring out, that's what gets me is the lethal doses could be anywhere from like they said, a hundred percent, the, or 100% the lethal dose, or even a 1,000% a lethal dose, meaning that this individual is not measuring them out. He's just filling the capsules back up. But that's also because I don't think it takes much. You don't have to have much to have a lethal dose. One thing that we know that he did not do, as far as the information we currently have, is he never underestimated how much to put in to the capsules. So whether it be 100% or 1,000%, it worked 100% of the time Right, that it was ingested. Well, it's like Sex Panther, like 60% of the time, it works all the time. So just to go through this a little more in depth, because not everybody uh, is as old as we are here in the garage, but in 1982, the bottles available for purchase by the public, as you pointed out, Captain, were not safety sealed. Nowadays, if you buy a bottle of Tylenol or other medication, the bottle, Tylenol specifically, has a silver foil safety seal enclosing it. And the box is glued shut. Back then, you just untucked the box lid and then screwed off the cap of the bottle. This timer's case, as the FBI called it, changed the packaging process in the United States forever. Forever. When extra strength Tylenol was returned to the market in late 1982, it was reintroduced with a triple seal tamper-resistant packaging, a bottle encased in plastic wrapping inside of a glued-shut box. And the Federal Anti-Tampering Act of 1983 changed the way that food and drugs were to be packaged nationwide. It made consumer product tampering a federal crime. Well, and these deaths also, like we've talked about before, they're violent deaths. Yeah, so how does the cyanide kill a person? Potassium cyanide acts very quickly to prevent the blood from absorbing oxygen from the lungs, which essentially starves the body of oxygen. This causes convulsions, cardiac arrest, and then death. Both potassium and sodium cyanide are used in jewelry manufacturing and in mining, amongst other things. And this was incredibly surprising to me, Captain. Apparently, they're both readily available.
more true crime garage for your earballs, check out our bonus show called Off the Record. It's on Stitcher Premium. You can find that by going to truecrimegarage.com and clicking on the Off the Record link. That's right. And we released a new Off the Record episode this week. Make sure you check that out. Join us back here tomorrow for the rest of the story. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't let her. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.